as you say, some concerns coming up around the Magnificent Seven. A, their degree of concentration in that broad index, and B, the degree to which they're looking a little overbought at the point and maybe due for a bit of a pullback. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The Federal Reserve left rates unchanged on Wednesday, hinting cuts aren't coming soon. In today's U.S.-centric episode, portfolio managers Winnie Jang, Chris McKaney, and your host, Erica Toth, analyze the latest economic data. They also discuss the upcoming presidential election, fixed income positioning, and factor exposures. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 210 of our BMO ETFs Weekly Views from the Desk podcast. I'd like to firstly say thank you to our listeners for joining us and also for providing us with your questions and your comments every week. I'm Erica Toth. I'm Director of ETF Distribution for Eastern Canada at BMO Global Asset Management, and I'll be your host for today. And I'll be joined by my colleagues, Winnie Jang and Chris McKinney. Both of them are portfolio managers at BMO ETFs. So there were quite a few new data points hitting the markets over the past week. Today, there were the ADP employment figures and, of course, the Fed rate decision. Uh, so, Winnie, can you go over some of them and share your thoughts with us? Yeah, absolutely. There are a few uh, major data points came out from south of the border just over the last couple of weeks, sending kind of a mixed signals on the current state of the U.S. economy. All in all, it was much better than most people dared to hope last year around this time. And just to quickly go over some of those figures, uh, last week we saw personal spending surprise to the upside for December and previous month's figure was also revised upward, while the GDP, um, the U.S. GDP prints also vastly exceeded everyone's expectation. It was up 3.4% year-over-year versus estimates of 2.2%, beating uh, street consensus for the sixth consecutive quarter. While the economy seemed to kept chugging along in the Q4 last year, to the policymakers' relief, um, inflation did not seem to have picked up during the periods, according to the GDP core price index, which came in well below uh, expectation at 1.5% versus 2.2% expected. This PCE core deflator print that came out just a couple of days later uh, also echoes uh, as it dipped below 3% for the first time since 2021. And the uh, January uh, ADP implement change that just came out this morning surprised to the downside as well. Uh, and previous month's figure was revised downward. And as for today's FOMC rate decision, uh, it was pretty much a non-defense. I would say uh, the Fed kept the uh, policy rates unchanged as expected, and they seem confident that the rates won't need to change anymore, like go up any further. 
and policymakers now think with to achieving their inflation and employment targets are moving into better balance. But they also recognize that the economy has made has been expanding at a yeah, sort of pace, and the Fed's language was consistent with ones from previous meetings, pushing back on the uh, imminency of easing. Reiterate further decisions, further action would be data dependent, and they are ready to hold rates higher for longer uh, if appropriate. But overall, I would say kudos to the Fed because so far uh, the U.S. economy remains very robust while inflation continues to moderate, which is the best scenario that I think um, most people were hoping for. Thanks, Winnie. Want to reduce the risk of market timing or increase near-term growth? Our new range of BMO structured outcome ETFs can help you dial down risk or dial up equity returns. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZOCT, ZUEA, and ZEBA. So let's stick with the theme now of the Fed's trajectory on, on rate cuts, and we'll turn it over to you, Chris. We've been talking over the last few weeks about how the U.S. elections might influence the Fed's trajectory on on rates. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, something uh, investors are continually starting to look forward to as as it looks to become more certain that Donald Trump is the Republican candidate. Uh, investors now turning their attention to um, you know what what happens after the election based on who the two uh, presumptive nominees are right now. Now, I, I think first of all, we need to back up and take a look at timing and when rate cuts might even start. Um, you know, Winnie did a good job of uh, summarizing, you know, where the Fed was today and and some of the data points that go into their thinking. If we look at the timing of an election and as well as rate cuts, I think we can expect that the rate cutting cycle will already have started. Um, either before the election happens or or certainly before the new president, if there is a new president, would be taking power. So again, obviously, election happening in November. If we take a look at market expectations right now, it's for about five or six rate cuts just this year in 2024. So by the, the time the election even happens, um, the market is expecting you know three or four rate cuts to already be in again, before that election even happens, and then one or two more before the year is out. Of course, uh, if there is a new president, they would not actually take power until January of next year, uh, but of course could start trying to influence things um, sort of immediately. Outside of even market expectations, if we look at um, what the Federal Reserve themselves have have given us, the summary of economic projections, the so-called dot plot, most members of the Fed are uh, themselves anticipating two to four rate cuts this year. Um, so again, I think that just emphasizes the fact that the rate cutting cycle will probably have started uh, before the election even takes place. Now, once that election happens, what will happen in 2025 and, and will the president exert any influence on that? You know, first of all, there's, of course, the policy that that each of these candidates uh, would want to put into place and how that might affect the economy. Um, and then, uh, of course, um, that will affect uh, the Fed's decision. Of course, we also know Donald Trump 
likes to talk to what he thinks the Federal Reserve might be doing or should be doing. You know, we, we've seen evidence of that from his previous term. Uh, we also know that he likes the stock market to move higher because he's, he views that as an indicator of his success in handling the economy. And so one might expect if Donald Trump became the president once again, that he would be talking down uh, interest rates and, and putting pressure on the Fed to cut rates uh, even further, um, depending on, on how much they have cut at that point. So I think that that could be uh, an, an estimate of, of what might happen uh, if the Republican nominee gets in. Of course, if Joe Biden or the Democratic nominee wins the election, it's more of a status quo uh, in terms of A, the policies that are in place. Um, we know that generally what we've seen from the Democrats is support for the economy, support for lower income members of the economy. And so that potentially, based on policy, could be inflationary and, and could keep interest rates a little bit higher if any sort of policy or, or fiscal policy creates continuous uh, inflation pressure, um, then the Fed might not be as comfortable lowering rates uh, at, at a quicker degree. So, um, you know, of course, this is hard to map out and we are still a year out or so from when this might happen. But um, I think sort of back pocket, you might think Republican win, maybe rates uh, lower Democratic win, maybe rates uh, a little bit higher for longer. Uh, but of course, again, we still have a year uh, or, or, or several months until that happens. And so we'll need to take a refresh on where the economy is at that time. Thanks, Chris. So at the tail end of last year, and, and as we moved into the beginning of this year, the market was basically pricing in rate cuts in the month of March. And now that's starting to be pushed out a little bit further. Uh, so back to you, Winnie, what are your thoughts on positioning within the fixed income sleeve of investors' portfolios? That's a great question, Erica. So yeah, uh, first of all, to your point, um, actually cash is actually very popular amongst investors last year because people were basically want to lock in that high short-term rates, right? But now with interest rate hiking cycle coming to an end, uh, product like GICs and money market funds might start to lose their appeals. And I think it's fair to probably expect some sort of great rotation from cash to other asset classes, particularly those with uh, higher duration, longer durations uh, to happen at some point this year. And right now, interest rate futures telling us that the market has priced in six cuts by the U.S. Fed and four cuts by the Bank of Canada by the end of 2024, and both cuts to start around middle of the year. But to your point, keep in mind that these numbers change a lot, right? I remember just two weeks ago, the market was pricing in five cuts by the Bank of Canada for 2024. That forecast quickly got trimmed to four cuts after Canada CPI numbers surprised slightly to the upside. And also keep in mind, um, less than a year ago, the market was expecting a Fed pivot to happen in the second half of 2023, which obviously did not materialize. So as you can tell, the, there are extreme uh, data dependency by the market, especially around uh, CPI and job data prints in which the short-term data can cause some wild swings in sentiments, market prices, and forecasts. So the big question here is, when should investors start adding duration? Uh, right now, I think it makes a lot of sense by buying and holding onto BMO Ultra Short-Term Bond ETF, ticker set ST, then add duration by buying BMO Long 
federal bond index ETF, ticker ZFL, after the central bank announces its first rate cut. And there are two reasons to that. First, uh, the long end of the curve is extremely volatile. We saw long-term debts down double digits during July to October last year, driven by bear steepening of the yield curve. And then in November and December, that long-term bonds um, outperform significantly, right? Which that performance again got reversed in January this year. So far, uh, long-term bonds are down uh, seven, eight percent month to date. And, and year to date. Uh, so I would say, you know, most people just don't have the stomach for this level of volatility. And the second reason is that, uh, as I mentioned, uh, central banks will likely remain very cautious with policy pivot. And once they start pivoting, it's highly unlikely for them to cut rates at a pace anywhere near when they hike them. And barring any uh, unexpected uh, economic catastrophe, uh, policymaker will likely continue to emphasize on flexibility and push back on premature easing. So if there's no imminency for rate cuts, then there's no imminency for duration extension. So buying and holding onto short-term bonds for now and adding duration by moving into long-term duration, long-duration bonds once uh, central banks start cutting makes a lot of sense. I mean, yes, by waiting for the first cut before adding duration, you are going to miss the initial pop in performance, but you can avoid making premature bets on policy pivots, which can cause um, significant downside to your performance. And for those investors who want to play it safe and don't want to, you know, just want to, want to um, avoid timing the market too much, using our BMO Aggregate Bond Index ETF, uh, take care of ZAG to extend your portfolio duration is a good choice. ZAG covers the entire yield curve and is very well diversified. It has portfolio duration of approximately seven years. So by moving from cash product into ZAG, uh, you can avoid that high volatility in the back end of the curve while still benefit from duration extension as rates go down. Thanks, Winnie. Some great ideas there in terms of uh, positioning your fixed income and, and insights on how and when to do these things. The ETF space is a thriving industry, providing Canadian investors new options for growth. What's driving this demand and what key benefits do they provide? Find the answers to these questions and more in our BMO ETF 2024 Industry Outlook, available now. Access the report and get the latest insights anytime at BMOGAM.com. That's B-M-O-G-A-M.com. We have a very U.S. heavy uh, discussion in terms of the themes today. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the equity side of the portfolio, um, talking about factor exposures for U.S. equities. Um, so, Chris, for investors who are concerned that the, the tech sector run is a little bit long in the tooth, for investors that don't want to go with the broad index at the moment, do you prefer the dividend or the low volatility approach at this point as an alternative? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Erica. And I think a lot of investors really looking at this right now, as you say, um, some concerns coming up around the Magnificent Seven, A, their degree of concentration in that broad index, and B, just the degree to which they're looking a little bit overbought at the point and maybe due for a bit of a pullback. In terms of where you go outside of that and which factor to um, deploy, of course, it does depend, I would say, a little bit on one's outlook for the coming year or so. Um, you know, if I take a look at the U.S. economy, still very strong in terms of GDP growth, um, maintaining those higher interest rates, at least for now, and still growing uh, at a decent clip while rates are relatively high, um, I might suggest looking at a dividend-type exposure, such as the BMO US Dividend ETF, that's ticker ZDY. This gives you exposure to companies that are growing their dividend over time. So this isn't just a pure income play. It's not looking for the highest yielders necessarily. And so you don't necessarily have uh, a huge sort of exposure to interest rate movements because these are companies that are are growing their dividends over time and have therefore have the cash flow from operations to cover those dividends and to even increase them over time. So the dividend uh, exposure does give you some of that regular income, but really it's giving you exposure to companies that are growing their business over time and have the cash flow to do that. And so it's really healthy companies that this factor is isolating for you. And so that'll maintain some element of growth potential for you. So if you're not too concerned around the U.S. economy, if you're not too concerned around uh, rates being where they are and, and the effect it's having on the economy, which, you know, as we've discussed kind of throughout the podcast today, um, you know, economy still doing fairly well, even in the face of higher interest rates, um, then the dividend exposure will give you access to that market growth, but do it in a little bit more measured fashion than, you know, going into that concentrated index that's just very tech heavy uh, with, with those uh, magnificent seven names. Now, conversely, uh, for an investor that is a little bit concerned around what higher interest rates are going to do to the economy and, you know, someone that's looking at uh, the potential for a, uh, maybe a significant sell-off in the broad market, then I would say certainly look at the low vol approach, you know, BMO US, uh, BMO Low Volatility US Equity ETF, ticker ZLU, provides you that low vol approach and did very, very well in periods like 2020 when the market was selling off in general, uh, protected investors' capital very, very strongly, actually had a positive return when the market was down double digits. Um, so it can do that for you as well. The low vol um, factor tends to have interest rate sensitivity to it. You know, you're invested in things like utilities and consumer staples. And if there is a significant slowdown in the economy, um, that would likely lead to the Fed cutting interest rates uh, potentially quicker than expected and, and uh, would provide those low vol equities a little bit of a boost because they are those sort of bond proxy type equities that you're getting in that low vol basket. So a lot more defensively positioned than the dividend portfolio. Um, again, myself, I'm just looking at the economy and not seeing, at least south of the border, not seeing major signs of a slowdown, probably seeing um, interest rates at a relatively elevated level for the continued future uh, or for the near future, I want to maintain that growth potential. I, I might lean towards that dividend exposure. Uh, but again, uh, you know, for those, um, you know, a little bit more concerned or maybe just not needing as much growth in their portfolio, mixing in a little, a little bit of that low vol gives you that downside protection, um, you know, should the economy take a turn for the worse. 
Thanks, Chris. That's some pretty good guidance in terms of uh, both of those factors and, and how to consider them. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us. And thank you also to Winnie and to Chris for sharing their market insights on this week's events. Till next time. Thanks again. Take care, everyone. Thank you to Erica Toth, Winnie Jang, and Chris McKaney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO U.S. Dividend ETF, ticker ZDY, which is designed for investors looking for both income and growth solutions. The team also discussed the timing of rate cuts and when to add duration. The BMO Long Federal Bond Index ETF, ticker ZFL, includes bonds with more than 10 years to maturity. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.